Right, where is this place? Craigton Cemetery. I've been given a fair bit of thought as to whether this is a story that I should tell right now after people were injured just the other day in Edinburgh uh, after a research ship sort of, I don't know what the best term is, you know, I don't suppose you can capsize if you're not in water I didn't know whether telling this story that I've had recorded for a while and have just been you know, behind the times and getting it out didn't know whether it might be a bit much but I think it speaks to how important shipping and ships are to Scottish history and the risks that people would take in order to be proud of where they are so with that in mind it is the 3rd of July 1883 there's always a little frisson of excitement when there's a new ship ready to launch from the yard Sure, they launched them at a rate of knots, and ships from the yards at Glasgow are known and respected the world over. But folks still get a sense of pride with every single one that slides down the slipway and into the river. Vessel 279 is no different. She's not much to look at, really. 176 feet long, 25 feet wide, designed to do a Scotland to Ireland crossings. She's going to be christened Daphne. Far too nice a name for such a dull ship. And launched today so that she can be ready before the yard closes for the Glasgow Fair holiday. The Alexander Stephen and Sons yard in Govan is always awash with a cacophony of noise. Today's no different, but it's added to with the families of a lot of the young boys who have signed on as fitters and rivet boys. These ships aren't just the pride of the yard, they're the pride of the borough, the pride of the people. This is Scotland, a podcast about history and where we made it. I'm Michael Park. The noise might be deafening, but people can hear cows and sheep bleating and screaming in the distance. The lairage and slaughterhouse across the road stinks, but the raw smell from paints Sawn wood and hot metal fills the air and thankfully covers up the worst of it. Stevens is just one yard of ten within a mile or so of the site at Lint House, but business is booming. Most of the thousands of people standing by the riverside at Govan and across the river at Partick might not be seeing any of that money, but the bosses will be doing well, no doubt about that. Glasgow is the second city of the British Empire thanks to its shipbuilding. You probably wouldn't catch the Prime Minister dead in a governed shipyard, even for a news opportunity. But the pride in Glasgow's primary industry stretches far beyond the borders of the city itself. Ships built in Glasgow are the backbone of the Royal Navy. They make up a significant portion of the merchant fleet and even a significant number of the pleasure crafts that you'd never set foot on are built in yards on the Clyde. They motor away to sunny climes where people clink champagne glasses and receive food with silver service. The people who built those crafts will probably never even taste champagne. 
there are more important things to spend your money on. But the pub on a Friday afternoon is still full of patter about who will be frolicking on the decks of the yachts. This is Victorian Britain. The haves are the opiate of the have-nots. Your betters are your betters. But you gossip about them all the time. And their happiness is much more important than yours. It's a kind of classic Glasgow day, to be honest. The sky is absolute slate grey. It looks like it could chuck down at absolutely any moment. I'm not wearing a waterproof jacket because I have never knowingly been prepared for weather. But let's see if we can find the memorial to the Daphne. Today, 3rd of July 1883, less than a year before another Clyde-built ship, the SS Oregon, will win the Blue Riband Prize for the fastest Atlantic crossing, the infinitely less fashionable SS Daphne is about to roll down the slipway and into the Clyde where her fit-out will be completed and she'll be ready to sail. Using the huge cranes on the dockside, the Daphne will have her superstructure completed, the engines and power plant installed, and they'll furnish her up to be at least passably comfortable on the run between the Broomy Law Quay and Derry in Ireland. The plan is that she will transport hundreds of people and goods back and forth every week. But the best laid schemes of mice and men gang after Glay. To look around Craigton Cemetery, you would think that absolutely none of it was ever maintained anymore because most of the graves are on their side. The lady in the crematorium told me that's actually for health and safety. It's not due to vandalism or anything. There was a young child that unfortunately passed away because a grave fell on them. Council workers... So now do what's called a sugar test. And if any of them are loose, they topple them over because no family members are here to upkeep them. I don't know how many people really come here anymore. So many of the graves are pushed over. Nobody to maintain them anymore. All of these people had a story. All of these people lived their lives, thought that they were important enough to be remembered, for better or for worse, and now most of the headstones are, are flat to the ground. You can't even read the inscriptions anymore, it's quite sad. Emotions really start to stir when everyone comes together for the launch. Many of the lads are standing on the deck, waiting to get their final bits of work done before the Glasgow Fair. Every time a ship slides down that slipway, there's rapturous applause from everyone. This is a Victorian pastime. People come out to see ships launched in their thousands. A ship staying afloat is, not to sound trite, the most important thing. It's not like building a ship is a trial and error. Everyone knows that when a ship is launched that it will take to the water and float. But there is a wee bit of superstition to it. That's why people turn out, partly to celebrate another successful build, and partly to will it to stay afloat. And today, they don't will hard enough. Right, so the memorial is on the eastern path and faces onto it. And according to Wikipedia, is one of the larger memorials in the area. 
which I can't say is terribly helpful to me at the moment, but there we go. Oh, hang on. If you enjoy Scotland, then you can really help us out by leaving a little five-star rating on your podcast app of choice, or if you use Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a little review. In addition, if you want to tell a friend, that is a great way for us to help people discover the show. Anything you can do to help us out, basically. We love it. Thank you so much. Back to the show. That's it there. It's a shame it's not in... It's not in a very good state at all. There's sandstone starting to wear away. Erected by the Associated Shipwrights. Let's see if we can see what else this says. The SS Daphne begins her slide down the slipway, supported by two anchors on both of her sides. Something is immediately wrong. The anchor on the starboard side moves normally, but the weight of the ship wrenches the port side anchor from its mooring and drags the Daphne into the Clyde. The sheer force of her pulling means that when she hits the water, she instantly capsizes, sending the men on board into the river or dragging them below the waterline. The Daphne is left with her hull sticking out of the river, her freshly painted name covered in scrabbling bootprints as the workmen on the deck try desperately to find somewhere to cling onto. They're the lucky ones. Those inside the ship are thrown from their feet, some are knocked unconscious and others are trapped as the water rushes in, unable to escape their fate. Despite the fact that they were right by the dock, surrounded on all sides by appliances and equipment designed to save them in an emergency, the way the ship had gone down meant that while there were tugboats and rescue boats and even planks of wood thrown from the dock on the scene within seconds, there was very little that could be done for anyone that hadn't got clear of the sinking ship within the first few seconds. Thomas Fisher, a rescue diver, was brought in to assist the company's divers in looking for bodies. He told the Illustrated London News that the stairs to the lower decks were blocked with one solid mass of bodies. The men were lying there, thick together, the one crowded on top of the other. Having rushed from their jobs towards safety, they had jammed each other in a struggle to reach the deck. Nobody knows exactly how many people were on the Daphne when she sank. The company had records of its own staff, but there were a number of contractors brought in to work on her, and workers were notorious for sneaking their friends and family aboard launching vessels. It was just par for the course. Nothing bad ever happened at the launch of a Clyde ship. As the boats started to crowd around the Daphne and pull terrified workers from the water, many on the banks reflected that this was the first time anything like this had ever happened. One of the joiners aboard, a Mr Kinnaird, estimated that there were around 200 people on the ship when she went down. That fits roughly with the sources which state that there were 70 survivors and that 124 people lost their lives, mere feet from the safety of the slipway where they'd built her. In memory of their late members who lost their lives by the capsizing of the SS Daphne on the Clyde, there's names, obviously. Uh, 50 of the people who lost their lives that day are buried in this cemetery. 
The rest are buried elsewhere. A sudden change we in a moment fell. We had not time to bid our friends farewell. I think this not strange. Death happens unto all. This day was ours. Tomorrow, Tomorrow you, you may, may fall. Jesus. That's quite dark. The University of Glasgow Library's archive holds a lot of intriguing information about the day the Daphne sank. But undoubtedly, one of the most haunting is the diary of Alexander Stephen, one of the directors of the company, whose full and frank notations on running a shipyard stop suddenly on July 3rd, when the day is left completely blank. What follows in the next days and weeks give his point of view, his concerns about the well-being of his staff, their families, the ensuing investigation, and the ship itself's fate. The investigation found that the ship was overweight at the time of launch, laden with too much equipment and far too many people. Without part of its starboard deck and the boiler hatch open to the elements, the added weight stopped the ship from righting itself properly when it hit the water, and the Clyde rushed in. Edward Reed MP's inquiry went on to completely exonerate the company of Alexander Stephen and Sons. Whether they could have done more to ensure the safety of their workers is something I'll leave up to you, but many of the shocked families of those who perished cried cover-up. The sinking of the Daphne led to limits being placed on personnel and equipment permitted on board at a ship's launch, which led to improvements in general safety. But as for the Daphne herself, she was raised from the River Clyde, refitted and renamed the SS Rose. Superstitious types might suggest that she was ill-fated, running aground at Millport less than a year later, before being sold on, eventually blown up by a mine in 1918. Her resurrection was no consolation for those who had lost their loved ones in her construction. It's quite lonely out here. There's only the birds and the wind and the distant thrum of the road. I can't help but think about how noisy their last moments would have been, how confused and how how terrifying it must have been to be to be in that position. I guess this is what they mean when they say that you go to be at peace. It's certainly peaceful. You've been listening to Scotland. It is written and produced by me, Michael Park, and is a production of Be Quiet Media. Additional voices in this episode were by Kate Cotter and David Allen. You can find out more about the show on our website, scotlandpodcast.net, and we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok too. Find us by searching Scotland, a Scottish history podcast. Look after one another. We'll see you next time.